You're listening to Money Talks. My name is Mike Campbell. Money Talks is brought to you by Solera Club at soleraclub.com. We are currently trying to get Tim Sesnick on the line with, Ms., uh, with us rather to talk about taxes. And there's a lot to talk about, you know, at this time of year because there's certain things you have to do. I'll see if we can get Tim to elaborate further. But, you know, the kind of things that, of course, we talk about regularly here is that if you have any uh, capital gains or capital losses you want to crystallize this year, much more likely to be a capital loss that you want so you can claim it on your 2015 tax form, uh, then, of course, you've got till December 24th this year. That's obviously a key. That So December 24th is the, the date to keep in mind for that uh, if you are selling stock. And I think things like biotechs, uh, some of the resource sector, it is also what makes this a time of year if those are sectors you want to get involved with. Usually some bargains develop in this week that we're coming into at this point. It's usually about this next week, you know, somewhere between the 7th and the 14th that most people do all the action. They don't wait till the last minute necessarily. And then you get the traditional, what they call the Santa Claus rally. But just a reminder, you've only got till December 24th officially really to make those sales. Other things, though, that you want to adjust, uh, they just did the CKNW Orphans Fund out in Vancouver, a wonderful event and success. But again, if you want to be able in any of these kind of uh, charitable giving of course has to be done by the end of the year if you want to claim it on your 2015 tax form so a lot of the times they say people make pledges maybe they get busy they forget they do it in january well you've got to wait until the 2016 year to be able to claim it so again a reminder if you have made some sort of promise or commitment to a charity in canada make that go at this point Uh, other things if you're in a business you want to again crystallize expenses at this time of year personal note i had one of my computers fall apart so uh well it just stopped working I, i haven't actually had that before but instead of and i've got a backup so i don't need to do it right away but if i want to be able to claim that expense this year then I have to make the expense this year. And there's probably a lot of things in that way. Uh, for example, if you're thinking of buying a new car, you probably want to do it if you, uh, you know, in December as opposed to January so you can at least start the depreciation cycle this year. And you can buy it, by the way, right up to December uh, 31st, complete that transaction, and it still goes as if you had been driving it throughout 2015. Uh, in terms of depreciation, again, it has to be uh, necessary for your work. But there's uh, those kinds of things are what people should be considering at this point uh, on your taxing. That's why it's one of the subjects that we're dealing with today. Uh, you know, the other thing is, uh, what about if you're going to get a bonus uh, at your workplace? Well, you probably want to wait till January so you don't have to include it. Uh, it's it's all of those kinds of things. Uh, that you have to pay attention to. So take the expenses in December or any other time during this year if you want to claim them this year and hold off on getting remuneration into the next year. So that's the kind of stuff that we've got on our agenda here. We're hoping to track down Tim Sesnick. We will get him on the line. In the meantime, monster week this week when it comes to oil. Victor Dare is going to join me in just a couple of minutes We're going to talk about that, plus many other things. It was an incredible week in the markets. You start with what happened uh, at the OPEC meetings, but you go on to all the debate about whether the Federal Reserve is going to uh, increase interest rates coming up. What's the impact? You saw the Canadian dollar, as I alluded to with Michael Levy. You saw the Canadian dollar closing below 75 cents. 
And uh, is that the foreshadowing of heading down into the 70 cent mark? We'll see all of that. As I say, i got to take a break. I'll come back. Victor Dare's going to be on the line. We hope to track down Tim Sesnick. I've also got a shocking stat of the week. And, again, absolutely blew my mind. And I've got a couple of goofy awards for you today. So all of that's planned right here on Money Talks across the Chorus Radio Network. You're listening to Money Talks. We're glad you're with us. Uh, coming up, uh, it was a monster story yesterday coming out of uh, OPEC, huge implications, of whether it's you're talking about government finances, whether you're talking about uh, just about anything uh, to do with Canada's economy. I mean, you've heard the public uh, parliamentary budget office, you've heard the finance ministry all talking about the impact of oil and the decline in resources on their projections for growth, projections for government, uh, government revenues. You're listening today from Al- uh, Alberta. You just saw 15,000 jobs lost in the last month. I still don't think we recognize what's going on. Victor Dare with more on that and the implications. Plus, Federal Reserve raising rates coming up uh, in about a week's time. We'll talk all about that with Victor in a couple of minutes' time, plus a shocking stat. Right now, very pleased to get Tim Sesnick on the line with me, Managing Director, Advanced Wealth Planning, uh, Scotiabank Global Wealth Management. I don't know him that way. I know him as a great guy and the guy who I've gone to for years, author of several best-selling books on taxes and ability to explain what the heck's going on with our system. We always love to get Tim on at this point because there are certain things you should be doing. I alluded to a couple of just before the break. Uh, Tim, thank you for taking the time. And, And maybe I could ask you to start with, what's the number one thing that you think people should be thinking of before we get to this end of the year when it comes to their taxes? Well, well, thanks, Mike. It's good to be with you again. Um, I I think this year is a bit of a different kind of year because uh, with the election that's just taken place and and the expected uh, increases in in tax rates, it's a bit of a different year because what we should now be thinking as we head towards the end of the year is, is simply, is there anything that I should be doing, for example, to maybe accelerate income, maybe bring income into our tax taxable income this year as opposed to next year when tax rates are going to be a little higher. So, you know, it's a bit of an unusual year this year. So uh, we're talking about if you think you're going to get a bonus, maybe ask your employer to give it to you before the end of the year, uh, that kind of stuff? Yeah, if you if you were an employee and you're expecting a bonus, you might be better off taking it in 2015 rather than next year, um, you know, particularly if, it's a, if you're a high-income earner. Um, certainly if your income's over 200000 and I know it's high, but if you're in that bracket, um, you're going to be better off paying some tax this year than next year more than likely. And if you're a business owner and you're thinking about how you can compensate yourself, you know, business owners always take a look at the situation towards the end of the year and say, okay, should I pay myself more salary or should I take some dividends? Well, just given the changes that we're seeing in tax rates, um, you might want to think about accelerating some of that income even. Another one that I've, I've, I know you've talked about uh, is negotiating a home office. I, I found that fascinating. Maybe elaborate a little bit for me. Yeah, you know, I mean, as it is, employees just aren't entitled to claim very much in the way of tax deductions. So if you can create and negotiate with your employer to create an opportunity to claim deductions, that's going to be really, really uh, powerful for you. So one of the things you can do is negotiate a home office. As long as more than half of your time is spent uh, in, the, in the home office as opposed to, say, at your, uh, your employer's place of business, then you can deduct uh, some costs related to your, your home office. Um, you know, you can deduct a portion of um, utilities and repairs and maintenance and a bunch of things on, on, your, on your home. But also something else people never think about. Um, if you have a need for an assistant or someone to help you in what you do, go to your employer and, and try to negotiate the requirement to provide that person yourself. 
So what, what I've seen people do in the past is, for example, they, they will, because um, the employer might, might say, well, I, I don't want to hire someone for you. That's going to cost us a lot of money. Mm-hmm. What some people have done is they've said, well, I'm going to hire my spouse. But, you know, you need approval from your employer. or uh, Your employer has to require you to go out and hire somebody. So um, if you can go out and hire your spouse, you can do a direct transfer effectively of income from yourself to your spouse. Any, anything you pay to your spouse can be, can be deducted on your personal tax return, and your spouse can pay the tax on that income. So hire your spouse if your employer agrees to that. Well, I, and coming back just for a sec, forgetting negotiating with your employer, uh, so they require you to work more than half of the time from work, so you can then deduct home office expenses. There's also a major benefit. You reduce traffic. You reduce uh, carbon footprint because you're not driving near enough. I mean, there's actually good and, and rationale please. to be doing that, uh, and I think that's what you should use to appeal. And it's also, it, it really cuts down on the, the drudgery of... Uh, uh, you know, of, of, of sitting in traffic for 45 minutes each direction, what everyone's doing. Someone's yeah, going to yell I mean, at me and I mean, go, I sit people, for an hour. People, <laughs> you know? will, people will save an hour and a half, two hours, three hours yeah. a day just just by uh, working from home, and that, that leads to a lot more productivity. I know. I'm always proud that my carbon footprint is very minor because I arrange uh, to broadcast from different locations that aren't driving. I, I drive downtown once a week. That's it. And I plan everything i got to do in that one commute if you know what i mean i thought you were you gonna know. say you, you sleep at the studio but maybe uh, yeah. well it's close to that yes that's right but uh, anyways a, a very interesting thing to look at uh, the other thing and i alluded to it just a moment in introducing or bringing you uh, uh on is you know again if you're going to buy a car you want to do it by the end of the year but that's not the only kind of asset of that sort is it um that's right so you know depending on whether you're an employee or a business owner um you may be able to claim uh, what we call depreciation or capital cost allowance on your on certain assets. So obviously, if you're an employee, the most the most the, the most clear example of that would be your car. Um, so if you're thinking about buying a new car and you're going to be using it for work purposes, um, you really want to think about doing that before the end of the year if you can. <clears throat> it just allows you to claim capital cost allowance or more capital cost allowance, bef- you know, sooner rather than waiting until next year to make the claim. You can claim it this year. And for business owners, and by the way, empl- other employees who have a need for musical instruments or uh, you know, aircraft, which is not, not as common, they can also do the same thing and claim depreciation on assets they buy before year-end. For business owners, the list of assets is much broader. So it could be anything from computers to uh, to furniture to um, to phones to other other types of um, capital costs, you know, cars, things like that. You buy those things before the end of the year, you can claim a deduction for them much sooner. Tim Sestink is Managing Director of Advanced Wealth Planning, Scotia Bank Global Wealth Management. Tim, um, another aspect, obviously, that... Uh, well, and let me come back to one thing you're saying, because, of course, and everybody should appreciate this. What Tim is giving you is indications, is directions to go, and, uh, you know, your individual circumstances may be different, uh, but, again, it's things to be examining. The one thing you've been saying here is this distinction between if I'm self-employed, and I know I'm asking a broad-based question, but I'm mm-hmm. self-employed, but the, so if I'm not self-employed, the key seems to be that the employer requires me to do this. So they require me to use my car to perform my duties. Uh, they say, yes, you can work out of your home. They require that and they require an assistant, which, as you said, I could then hire who I choose, uh, you know, and they say, yes, you can hire, you can make the hiring yourself. But it mm-hmm. seems to me that's an important distinction of if I'm an employee, I need my employer to require these things. That's right. And your employer will uh, provide proof of that requirement by signing form T2200. 
So that's an important form. You don't have to send it in with your tax return, but you have to have it available in case the government ever wants to see it. But your employer basically checks the box on those on that form and says, "Here's the thing, or here are the things we require you to do as an employee." And if they check off a number of boxes, you may be entitled to more deductions. So you know, Mm -hmm. get get a copy of that form. Actually, go through it and see what's on the checklist. Um, there might be a few other things that you are required to provide. So supplies, for example, uh, which can include cell phones or, or if you're paying for your own phone. Those kind of things can be deductible if you're, if you're paying for them. And the other one I mentioned off the top is that, uh, you know, if, you're, if you've made a pledge, as we've just uh, done out in Vancouver, uh, you know, CKW Orphans Fund, but uh, many other places people are pledging at this time of year to make charitable contributions through different telethon kind of approaches. Uh, make sure you've paid your charitable by the end of this year so you can claim it this year. I mean, it's straightforward stuff that way. Yeah, and it's interesting. That's exactly right. And there are a bunch of costs that you might want to pay for before the end of the year just to be able to get tax relief this year. I'll come back to those in a second, but just on another uh, uh, issue related to the charitable giving. It's now, because of technology now, you can actually go online and make donations to certain charities that you might want to give to. And sometimes you can make those gifts as late as you know 11.30 p.m. on December 31st, and you'll still get it in under the deadline uh, because you can do it online now. Um, I feel like you've been following me around because that's an old trick I've used. If I, I sort of go on, you know, after the Christmas season, I go, oh, my gosh, I forgot. You know, and, yes, I, I've done it for, I think it's, is it Canada Gives is the big website that includes a ton of those kind of charities? Yeah, can't can, Canada Helps. Uh, Canada, helps, Canada Helps, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I've done that myself, but it's a great reminder because uh, there's a couple of, uh, obviously, I think they're worthy causes, and you think, oh, uh, gee, I forgot to get it in the mail, and instead I just went online and did it. Yeah, exactly. You can do it quickly now. The the other thing uh, you want to think about before the end of the year is uh, obviously any medical expenses that you want to pay for, you're, you're planning mm-hmm. on paying for. Tuition costs should be paid for by the end of the year. Child care costs. Uh, any, um, if you want to claim the child fitness tax credit, you might want to pay for that, you know, those hockey fees or, or, or figure skating fees or whatever else you're, you're playing this time of year. Uh, pay for those fees by the end of the year. You can claim a deduction, and including um, for the artistic tax credit for kids, you can claim for pay, pay for things like piano lessons and dance lessons and things like that. You know, so, those are those are key things because they're easy to forget. I'll, t- I'll give you an example: uh, tuition, second term tuition actually won't be due till early January. You know, and so a lot of people sort of just pay it when, oh, my deadline is January 7th to get that mm-hmm. second term tuition in. And I, I'm glad you're reminding us because it, it makes a big difference to be able to, you know, I'm going to pay it a week later or two weeks later. I might as well pay it before December 31st. Yeah, that's And as exact- you say, all these other ones you're talking about. Yeah, yeah that's exactly right. And by the way, um, uh, something else you want to think about doing, uh, if you don't have the money to pay for some of these costs that you want to pay for by the end of the year, whether it's a charitable donation or some other costs, you know, you might want to give some consideration. You know, maybe that's because your your bonus is not coming in until January or something. Well, if that's the case, well, you could consider borrowing the money on a short term basis uh, sure. to make to make those uh, pay those costs. So you get the cost paid for under the under the deadline, and then uh, pay it off in another month when you get your bonus. Yeah, uh, great great advice. Uh, the other one coming back to medical, and that's another one that people again have a tendency. Uh, you know, the one for me that bites me because it's it's expensive is dental stuff, and mm-hmm. it's it, it's a great reminder. If you know darn well, uh, I have a chipped tooth, for example. Hey, how are these? Why why are these all applying to me? I have a chipped <laughs> tooth. I'm not trying to make it about myself, but I'm just thinking I've got a check mark between, behind these things, so I might as well get the work done before the end of the year. 
Yep, absolutely. The other thing you want to think about if you if you if you have children is you want to contribute. I really I'm a big believer in contributing to registered education savings plans. Mm-hmm. And although there's there, there's a there's a fifty thousand dollar limit now. Uh, in the lifetime of a beneficiary. So you can contribute up to $50,000 for a child to an RESP. It doesn't have to happen in any particular year, but there are reasons why you want to do this on an annual basis. And, and you know, think about December 31st as your deadline. And that's because, because of the Canada Education Savings Grants. These grants are available. It's free money from the government. When you, when you contribute $100 uh, to an RESP, or for every $100 you contribute, you can get up to... Up to um, uh, basically 20% of that back from the government in, in the form of additional grants. And, and that money will go into the RESP along with your money. So you want, you want to do that ideally before the end of the year because the grants, you cannot accumulate them. So let's suppose you wait until the child's 18, you know, just before their 18th birthday to contribute the full 50000 to the RESP. Now, I don't know why you'd do that. You wouldn't. But if you did, you're not going to be entitled to the full grants the government is offering because they'll, they'll cap it at $500 a year. So yeah. you want to make sure you put in. It's better to put in twenty five hundred a year each year than to put in, say, fifty thousand all at once. So you know, think about the deadline is December thirty first and get those contributions in. Yeah, that's a great reminder. Uh, I'm going to have to do that myself again. Okay, great. I've got a new grandchild, so I'll be doing that myself. Uh, oh, and by the way, grandparents yeah. are the best people to set these things up, not only because they may have some more disposable income, but because when it comes time to pull the money out of the RESP. Um, you can have a, a number of grandchildren all named on the same plan, and if one child doesn't go to school, mm. the money gets to go to the other children. Whereas if you're a parent making this contribution, you've got fewer kids under the, under the plan, right? You've yes. got, you only got two children as opposed to five grandchildren. So the money can, you know, you're more likely to use the yep. money with, if you're a grandparent. Well, Tim, as usual, great stuff with you. Tim Sesnick, uh, we appreciate you finding time for us every time we have a question on taxes. Uh, Tim is Managing Director of Advanced Wealth Planning, Scotiabank Global Wealth Management. Merry Christmas, Tim, and thanks. Thanks, Mike. Merry Christmas. I'm glad you're with us. By the way, if you want to review anything that Tim Sesnick just said, just go to moneytalks.net. You can just click on the Money Talks button. You can also get my weekly business comment. Lots of fun this week. There were so many that engendered, uh, let's say, significant response. It is really interesting to me always that if you point out facts, all you do, no editorial comment around the facts, still people say, how dare you, in some form or another, some much ruder than others. But I just always find that interesting. It's like, don't tell me about reality. At any rate, some uh, interesting response this week to my business comments that you can find every day of the week. Monday through Friday, at moneytalks.net. And, of course, Money Talks itself is right there in the front. And as I say, you can click in and hear Michael Levy again, uh, hear our big fat idea this week, and uh, so much more, and Tim Sesnick, as I just alluded to. The other thing I want to just uh, announce to you that we have for the World Outlook Conference, we had already run out of those student tickets, like, you know, buy one for yourself and bring a young person, not necessarily a student, but I'm really trying to get, I I just think our younger generation is going to get killed here without the sophistication to navigate what's going on financially and economically. And the track record of the World Outlook Conference, I just put up against anybody. I mean, it is unbelievable uh, the kinds of information, the kind of stock picks, the macroeconomic event. But going right back to Martin Armstrong's prediction in 2013 
of the invasion of the Ukraine to the weak, he gives us, but part of an escalation in global conflict that would begin and be more obvious there, obviously been correct when you see the rise of ISIS, uh, but other things. Uh, right now, we're going to be dealing with coming up uh, the junk bond crisis. I think you're going to see out of the oil patch more and more problems throughout the oil patch, meaning the broadest sense of the word, North America, etc., uh, with the debt that they've taken on under the assumption of oil prices that are significantly higher than they are today. And by the way, speaking of that, Victor Dare is going to join me in just a couple of minutes because we've been watching very closely what was coming out of that OPEC meeting, and I think the implications are massive. Uh, you're listening uh, with us in Alberta today. You're out in Vancouver. Uh, you're in Saskatchewan. You're in Newfoundland. I mean, this is big-time stuff, what's going on there. And as I say, there's also, you throw in some other reversals in the markets, but including the anticipation of what the Federal Reserve is going to do with interest rates, just stay with us. We're going to get to that. But back to the World Outlook Conference, you can bring a student. Why? Because we've got a new sponsor for this tick, the student tickets. Uh, Volio, which you can find at myvolio, which is myvoleo.com, myvoleo.com. It's a really interesting online investment club platform, and they've recently launched an equity trading contest for Canadian millennials in partnership with the Toronto Stock Exchange. And uh, they're on board, obviously, uh, with the same kind of goal I have, is to raise the level of sophistication of our younger generation, our younger people. And the World Outlook Conference makes for a great weekend. You're looking for stuff with your son, your daughter, niece, your nephew, grandchild, family neighbor, friend of the family, that kind of stuff, you can do a big favor for them. You buy a ticket yourself, we still now we have a new block that you can bring along a student absolutely free. And I love the idea of traveling, by the way. We got the best rate at the hotel, Western Bayshore, that we've ever got, that anyone may have ever got. I don't know, but it makes for an affordable weekend. But it is a great weekend. You come out... You go to our real estate section first with Ozzy Jurek, Jeff Olin. I'm looking forward to hearing him. That starts at 1 o'clock Friday, January 29th. Then, of course, we continue through. Uh, we got Martin Armstrong confirmed, which was not easy because he's been traveling the world. But, of course, he's a friend of uh, Money Talks, a friend of the World Outlook Conference. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this. Martin Mirambield uh, just signed on for us, uh, which we're very excited about. John Johnston's going to come and give his latest, not just on the economy and the portfolio, but also that Canadian dollar. He's the guy who told us going back a couple of years, 2012, when he first said 70 cents is on the horizon. It sounded crazy at the time. Obviously, we're having a look at that now. Um, Joseph Schachter is going to be there. Joseph Schachter is the guy who told me specifically, and it was in the first quarter of 2014, I was looking at deflation along with Victor Adair. We're saying, hey, you know, this is a deflationary environment. Gary Schilling, who I'm also going to confirm for the conference uh, this week. I'm looking forward to that. But talking about much lower oil prices, oil were over 100 bucks there. And Joseph said, you're, you're right on track here. Let me tell you, it ain't going to be cute. It's going to be a very profound drop. That was featured at the World Outlook Conference. We've been talking about it literally ever since as we see that uh, develop. So lots of reason to come. I hope you join us at the worldoutlookconference.com uh, or go to, uh, go to moneytalks.net. Click on the World Outlook Conference. Really easy to do. But you can bring a millennial with you. Sounds kind of a weird way of saying bring a young person. Okay, time for this week's shocking stat of the week. In 2015, I was looking at this. This is the backdrop for it, but don't you feel like 
there are just so many murders, mass murders taking place in the States. The latest is a terrorist attack, which is different. Or, I mean, it's, is that a distinction without a difference? I don't know. It's a tragedy, that's for sure. That's the, the combining thing. But other than that, if you look at how many there's been multiple shootings with four more victims, 450 people have been killed in the States. 1,302 have been injured. But it's happened 354 times this year. That's incredible. Now, here's a confusing, contrasting stat. Pew Research just did this. The murder rate, that's one person, one gun kind of approach. The murder rate is half of what it was. It's dropped significantly between the 20 years between 1993 and 2013. We're back, the U.S. is back to a murder rate of 1950 levels. So it's all, wow. But okay, shocking stat. Out of the USA Today. Look at Black Friday shopping. You know what? A record number of people applied for guns on Black Friday shopping day. The National Instant Criminal Background Check System protest. Are you ready? 185,345 requests for guns on the day after U.S. Thanksgiving. You know, yeah, it's a big retail sales day. I didn't think it was guns. That's a 5% increase over last year. But that's, uh, you know, that's a proxy for people who want to buy guns. You have to go through, most of them have to go through the, na- uh, the National Instant Criminal Background Check to buy. 185,345 requests. Now, that's typical, by the way, after you get the kind of tragic instance they've seen in the States. They do see a jump. But it's even bigger than 2012. Uh, the list is just a long one. But uh, 2012 was the record in some areas, but so you're right up against that. The last three years have been huge, but including this year, 185,000 requests. I don't know. I thought about Black Friday shopping. I didn't think guns. That is one of the big differences, I think, between Canadians and Americans. But, yeah, unbelievable jump. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Victor Dare's going to join me. That OPEC meeting, you've got to find out about, and i got a goofy. Stay with us. Coming up, I'm going to share with you the stupidest thing I heard at the Paris Climate Summit. My question is, are you going to be surprised as to who said it? That'll be my goofy award. Right now, Victor Adair joins me right now. So many markets to go over. Uh, U.S. dollar reversal. We got news out of Europe that really changed things around. Stock market, my goodness. Uh, you know, we've been in a volatile environment, but boy, did it ever prove out this week. But I've got to start with oil. Why? Because OPEC met yesterday. There was a lot of expectations leading up to it. Would we see a production cut to try and support oil prices? Well, Victor, it seemed like the whole thing fell apart, which has people even questioning whether OPEC's a relevant player anymore in, in terms of pricing in the oil market. Yeah, I saw quotes to the effect that uh, OPEC is now dead. You know, it, it, it just, it's, its effectiveness is no longer there. Um, but, you know, I look at this from a trading point of view, of course. Uh, going into the OPEC meeting, we saw some stories. Uh, Ambrose Evans Pritchard in the Telegraph uh, out of the U.K. had a couple where there were some talk that maybe, given that the prices were where they were, we would see some, uh, some move to try to put a floor in the prices to try to get prices up a bit. I think after the meeting, the thought was, you know, it, nothing happened and the, the psychology on the crude oil market is probably as bearish 
as it's been all year. Well, I think, you know, one of the keys, though, just sort of going back, is that what it's shown is that OPEC can't can't get it together to goose those prices higher. Now, that's not the same as saying what the market will react to it, but uh, just I think it's a, it's pivotal because you're talking trading. I'll talk the economics for a second. You've got governments in Saskatchewan, Alberta, the federal government, all making forecasts based on, you know, their revenue projections for next year and the year after on higher levels of oil prices than we're seeing. And as, as we've said on this show, we don't think the bottom's in, but I think more importantly, I don't think the recovery looks like any hot darn either. So uh, I thought that was the significance. Again, the market was looking for a little more cohesion out of OPEC to maybe help boost uh you know, or lower production but boost prices, and it just wasn't there. Well, the OPEC meeting came and went. Before the meeting, there were folks that were expecting uh, nothing would happen. There was other people that were maybe holding out some hope. But anyway, the meeting <laughs> came and went, and we've got oil prices at around $40 a barrel on WTI, but we didn't make new lows. And the lows were back in okay. August at thirty-seven seventy-five, and as you were said, just as we started here, there's a lot going on in a lot of different markets, but what's going on in another market, I think, is going to have a big impact on crude oil. I'll tell you this. I think there's two factors on crude oil right now. One is what I call a supply-demand story, and it's bearish for sure. The other thing is crude oil definitely reacts to the relative strength of the U.S. dollar. And, and that was a big week there because, again, we're they're talking all about what's going to happen at the Federal Reserve. You warned us a week ago, and you said, you know what? I think you need a break in the U.S. dollar's steady rise. There's too much bullishness. So you said that you wouldn't be surprised to, for a counter-trend move, a correction to sort of manifest. And it looks like we saw a little bit of that at the end of the week. Well, you know, I used one of those good old-fashioned technical terms last week, Mike. I said, everybody and his dog is long the U.S. dollar, short other currencies, and short commodities. And that has kind of set up an opportunity for the markets to reverse. I mean, always, 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 market psychology, whatever market you're looking at, I shouldn't say always, most of the time, often, whatever, market psychology goes too far one way or the other, whether the market is bearish or the market is bullish. And when everybody in his dog is positioned one way, it's an ideal opportunity to make a contrarian bet that maybe things reverse. Anyway, I have gone through my charts here for at least about the last 10 years, looking very closely, and there's lots of examples of where when the U.S. dollar is going up, crude oil is going down, and vice versa. And I think it's possible the key event that we had this week from a technical perspective is the U.S. dollar hit new 12-year highs and then had a weekly reversal lower. And I think that could impact other markets from crude oil to gold to commodities and other currencies uh let me fire very quickly because i don't want to run out of time federal reserve big debate keeps going but now it looks like the consensus says that the federal reserve will raise interest rates in about 10 days time i think that meeting's december 17th or something uh yeah december uh 15 16 yeah i, I mean it, it's it's a it's a dead certainty, I guess you could say, in terms of market sentiment right now. The Fed's going to raise rates by a quarter of a point. As a matter of fact, I think it's, yeah, okay, so that's what's going to happen. Let's, uh, you know, let's look past that. And I think we had the stock market take a good tumble early part of the week. We're down about 475 points on the Dow, and then whirled around and went rally back for a better part of 370 points on Friday. Uh, the quarter point 
increase from the Fed doesn't matter to the stock market at this point. Uh, let me just fire a couple of markets because very quickly here. You know what? The Canadian dollar, I thought it looked very weak. Why? Because as you just chronicled, Victor, the U.S. dollar was falling, you know, with some significance against the euro. The Canadian dollar still got weaker against the U.S. dollar. Yeah, I, uh, I had started the week with a small long position in my short-term trading accounts in Canadian dollar. And as the week went along, I thought, you know, I don't think I like this. I just got rid of it. Uh, Canadian dollar looked weak. Uh, certainly, I mean, say, the other commodity currencies, particularly Aussie and New Zealand, uh, had real good rallies the past couple of yeah. years. Canada looks vulnerable. Uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think I'd be looking for opportunities to trade Canada from the short side. Uh, I've got to come to gold. You just mentioned, again, playing off the U.S. dollar, as you said. Real nice rally in gold uh, coming off that six-year low you pointed to last week. But is it significant? Uh, yeah, I think it may be. Uh, I've been generally trading gold from the short side the past two, three years anyway. Uh, Playing it to I go bought, down, in other words. Yeah, yeah. looking for it to go down. I bought some gold calls this week. I, I can, almost can't remember when the last time was I was bullish on gold. The uh, in Some of the internal data is what we call uh, commitment to traders data are the most bullish they've been in 13 years. Uh, I think the gold was here. Here's the thing. I think maybe the U.S. dollars having a turn here. And in, from that perspective, I want to buy stuff that's really been beat up because of dollar strength. And when I look across the board, I mean, gold jumps out to me. You know, the euro jumps out to me, the Japanese yen and crude oil to some degree. I think it's probably too early to buy crude, but I'm looking at markets that have been clobbered because of a strong U.S. dollar. And if the U.S. dollar is turning, those marks will turn as well. Uh, you got 30 seconds for the last thing, but does that change your long-term view? You're, you're talking shorter term here. Does that change your long-term view on the U.S. dollar? Do you need more data? Uh, well, one of the ways I play my long-term view is I've got a hedge on with the Canadian dollar. All of our listeners know that. I've had it on for years. I haven't changed that a bit. I've still got okay. more than a third of my net worth in Canadian dollars. Don't want to change that. But... We could have a we could have a, at least a short term uh, correction here in the U.S. dollar, which could cause a lot of these other markets to pop. More next week with Victor Adair. Uh, he'll also be at the World Outlook Conference. But a bottom line is this: I'm coming back with a goofy award. It was the stupidest thing I heard in Paris. Guess who said it? Remind you to go to MoneyTalks.net. We've posted right now. I, I just thought it was such an interesting view. This conflict over how to handle what to, what action Canada should take in ISIS. I thought it was interesting to compare the Liberal government here with the Labour's Labour uh, opposition in the UK. Uh, we have featured their f- shadow foreign secretary in the cabinet. In the shadow cabinet, have a look at that. I, I just thought it was a really interesting argument totally favors uh, the need to bomb uh, ISIS and to be part of that mission. As I say, very contrasting uh, in Canada. Also, con- Canada also contrasts with the socialist in France. So it's tough to dry- divide this by ideological lines. Just go check out moneytalks.net for that. Time now for this week's Goofy Award. This is brought to you, by the way, Money, Club- Money Talks is brought to you by Solera Club. Solera Club is a royalty-based investment, meaning you get paid first, no fees, in the tech industry. For more information, go to soleraclub.com. The Goofy. Wherever you stand on the issue of man's impact on climate change, we should appreciate that, I think it's time to at least appreciate that over-the-top alarmist statements don't raise the level of debate for sure, but they actually don't garner public support. It turns people off. I think it's time for the climate change 
debate to grow up. With that in mind, I take you to President Obama's opening press conference. Are you ready? In quotes. As people start realizing that even today you can put a price on the damage that climate change is doing, you go down to Miami when it's flooding at high tide on a sunny day and fish are swimming through the middle of the streets. There's a cost to that, end of quote. Fish swimming through the middle of streets in Miami. I mean, how can't you laugh? You know, the best part was there was no shortage of people ready to defend that nonsense, including an adoring press who didn't even question him on such an absurd statement. I can tell you, my bet is that a Republican wouldn't get that kind of kid glove treatment. But what an absurdity. Fish are swimming through the middle of the streets in Miami. Not helpful, but you do win the Goofy Award, President Obama. That's all the time we have. Go to moneytalks.net. Time for the World Outlook Conference. And check out our latest there. Thanks for listening.